Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Good evening. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. (laughs) Y'all, people are losing their minds. I mean, really, genuinely losing their minds. And it is the uh, it, it, the the Girl Scouts of America are enraged that the Boy Scouts of America are recruiting girls to join the Boy Scouts. Actually, the Cub Scouts. The Brownies are becoming Weeblos. Now, what's actually going on here is that the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts were going to enter into some level of co-branding, and it didn't work out. And because the Boy Scouts are now allowing uh, girls who identify as boys to come into the Boy Scouts, they're, well, they're opening the floodgates. And there's another problem here. The Girl Scouts have become a feminist training ground. In some cases, they're they're doing events with Planned Parenthood. They're they're talking about abortion and whatnot, depending on where you go. You, you know, my sister pulled her child out of the Girl Scouts because the local Girl Scout leader in a rural conservative state that will go nameless, rural part of a conservative southern state. Uh, they didn't want the girls to have Mother's Day and Father's Day because the the scout leader was a lesbian and uh, their daughter was in the Girl Scouts and they didn't do Mother's Day and Father's Day. They did Parents' Day or Partner's Day or some such. Yes. Uh, this is happening all over the country. There is a story at The Federalist, uh, Ben Dominich's website, where a child in California at a charter school in a kindergarten came home to their to her parents crying in tears because a little boy got up in the kindergarten class and announced that that he or I'm sorry a little girl got up in the class and announced that she was becoming a he and put on boy clothes 
and the teacher began to teach the kids that this is perfectly normal. So a little girl comes home from school crying that at any moment she could turn into a boy. In another California school, an elementary school child has been disciplined with the threat of suspension for not recognizing the gender identity of another child in the class. The child had been a boy last year and decided to be a girl this year. And the other kids are being punished for not referring to the, the kid as whatever gender it is this year. Y'all, we have lost our damn minds as a country. We have. This is crazy. And it's happening all over. It's happening in Georgia here. Remember, we've got a Republican legislature that would not pass any sort of religious liberty protections in the state. Do you really think that they're going to prohibit uh, local activist governments like the city of Atlanta or Athens from insisting businesses have uh, unisex bathrooms or, or let boys go to the girls' bathroom? Do you really think they would do that? Of course not. Texas Texas is pushing that, but uh, in, in Texas, they've actually got, like, real Republicans. Here in Georgia, they're so beholden to the Hollywood, they won't do stuff like that. People are losing their minds. This culture war is getting out of control, but there's a silver lining for conservatives. Now, I know some of you are thinking, thank God your kid goes to private school, may even go to a church school. Don't think you're safe. The accreditation boards are starting to insist that schools accept gender identity programming or they can't get accreditation. And you see, one of the things that has happened is there is a religious school's accreditation program and liberals have taken over the religious school's accreditation program. So, for example, you've got, um, oh, what's the school over in... in, um, Oh, it's affiliated with the the ARP, uh, the Presbyterian Church. I, I cannot remember what it is now. No, it's it's not the it's not Bob Jones. Um, I, in any event, they they won't allow same sex student housing, and their accreditation was put at risk. But it's also now starting to happen at the high school and the elementary school level and private religiously affiliated schools. If you want accreditation, it's going to eventually get to homeschool programs in some states. And here's the depressing part of it. We know for certain, based on the behavior of Republican legislatures, including here in Georgia, that we're not going to see them stand up to the left-wing culture warriors. It's not going to happen. They're not going to stand up. They're not going to fight this. There is hope, though. And the hope is very easily articulated. Most people think this is bat poop crazy. They do. Most people uh, don't buy into transgenderism. That's why they're pushing so hard. 
Um, they're, they're pushing to silence people, hoping that in silence people will accept it because people will think they're all alone. And that's not actually what's going on. People are building up resentment to this. It's one of the reasons Donald Trump got elected. And no, I'm not actually making that up. If you actually looked at the exit polling of people who voted for Barack Obama, who then voted for Donald Trump, a significant portion of them, enough to give Donald Trump the election, believed Hillary Clinton was more interested in putting men in women's bathrooms than she she wasn't putting men back to work. This is going to hurt the Democrats. You see, what we're seeing around the country is a latent hostility becoming a, a patent obvious hostility. Democrats hate everyone but themselves. They want to politicize everything. They do not like the other. The other are bigoted, homophobic, Christofascist, Christian white men who are oppressors and must be punished, must be sidelined, must be, must be shut down. And it's starting to rub a lot of people the wrong way. You see, they have a problem on the Democratic side. As the gay rights and transgender lobby take over the Democratic Party, they're beginning more and more to alienate socially conservative black and Hispanic voters who have tended to be Democrat and a lot of these people, believe it or not, I know you won't hear it in the media, but a lot of these people, they don't hate Donald Trump the way the media would have you believe. Remember, Donald Trump did better with Hispanic and black voters than Mitt Romney did. The media the entire time was telling you, and in fact, the polls did show that he was going to do worse with black and Hispanic voters, but the exit polls proved all that wrong. He, in fact, did better. And he did better because not of the fiscal issues, but because of the social issues. There is more and more data out there to suggest that a fiscal liberal social conservative is the model candidate for the United States. You see, I know there are a lot of people who say they're fiscally conservative and they're socially liberal. Those are actually unicorns. They don't exist. People who claim to be fiscally conservative but socially liberal wind up subsidizing the socially deviant behavior that destroys society that they support. So they claim to be fiscally conservative and they wind up having to, to bail out all of the people who have ruined their lives through the social deviancy that screws up nations. But what works is someone who's willing to spend government money uh, but keep men out of their daughter's bathrooms. That works. And there are more Republicans like that than there are Democrats like that. The Democrats have gone all in on social liberalism and it's beginning to hurt them. It helped Donald Trump, and the left has come up with so many excuses to deny that it helped Donald Trump, including that the Russians stole the election, when every data point, every survey taken shows it helped. And this, my friends, is a bit of a saving grace for people, that the Democrats have decided that every right-thinking person agrees with them on these issues. And because every right-thinking person agrees with them on these issues, they have no need to stop pushing these issues. And as they continue to push these issues, they continue to alienate more and more people. And they may not turn up next year. They may not vote Republican, but they may not turn out for the Democrats next year like the Democrats expect. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson. It is 26 after the hour. Now, phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. There is other news, although I, I think that the, the big story of the day is the kid coming home from school in um, 
California crying that it's a kindergartner trying to process the unnatural mental health issue of, of transgenderism and the, the teacher being upset. By the way, you should know that there are, including a few southern states, uh, including one in particular, not this one, um, but one we are neighbored to, uh, where a principal uh, basically told off a parent and said, we're not going to tell you when the kids are discussing these things. And see, this is something that I think our legislature should pursue. And, you know, next year is a gubernatorial year, and it is something. For example, there is a law in the state that if they're going to be discussing sex ed, that parents need to know about it and they have the right to opt out of it. Parents should have the right to opt out of the indoctrination on transgenderism. And there should be a law passed this coming legislative session that brings this up because this principal in this particular school told the parent that by law, the school is required to notify the parents when they discuss sex ed, but in the principal's mind and in the interpretation of the school system, transgenderism is not sexual education. Therefore, they don't have to bring it up to the parents. They don't have to notify the parents. They don't have to share the curriculum with the parents. The parents get no notice. You have a bunch of left-wing educators trying to indoctrinate your children. There should be a law. And I'm not someone who thinks we need very many laws, but if they're going to play this game, we need a law to shut them down. They are trying to indoctrinate your children. I, I still think we need my TV show. I really do. The The time is ripe for my TV show to, to teach people how to raise their kids in the 21st century when the world hates your values. It's just crazy. When we come back, though, oh, we got to shift gears to a pet peeve. We're doing a little bluegrass here. <laughs> it is 39 after the hour. It's Eric Erickson here. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, so one of the things, uh, this is somewhat related to the transgenderism indoctrination that's going on in public schools right now, but it, it's the politicization of everything. My wife and I, have uh, occasionally we're we're not a member right now but we had subscribed to one of those farm co-op programs where we got uh fresh vegetables every week from a farm down in middle georgia and we would get a random selection every week and i enjoyed it because i was having to come up with creative ways to cook different stuff as was she Uh, we probably need to pick it back up right now uh, and it shifts seasonally And there really shouldn't be anything political about it, but increasingly even food is becoming political in this country. And I stumbled across the Eater.com website, which I pay attention to, Eater.com. They've got an Atlanta section, and you can keep up on the comings and goings at restaurants, new restaurants in the city and whatnot that I may be curious about, want to go check out and all. And there was a review of a new cookbook coming out. The cookbook's called America. If you're familiar with Phaedon, Phaedon is is a British publisher. And in addition to a bunch of resource books and whatnot, one of the things that Phaedon publishes, and they're not all that great, but nonetheless, um, they publish uh, compendium, recipe compendiums for countries. They are, for example, I've got the Mexico one. And the Mexico one is about four inches thick. I've also got their silver spoon one, which is the Italian one. 
and it's probably five and a half inches thick in the latest edition, and it literally covers uh, region by region all of the specialties from the, the salads to the pastas to the sauces to the roast meats to the cured meats, you name it. And they've got one for Scandinavia that I've got. Their latest one, America, covers coast to coast the 50 states. And it provides a, a range from the, the Cuban influence of Florida to the Tex-Mex influence to the even heavier Mexican influence in Arizona and New Mexico to the Cajun to barbecue by region to the California kitchen-style cooking with, with Alice Waters to uh, just heartland favorites like, like a, a fried pork tenderloin sandwich in Iowa. It's got all this stuff in there. So I'm reading this review last night, and I want to just read you a, a section here. What is, this is the author of the review, Sonia Chopra, who's a liberal at eater.com. What is American food? Food writers here in the U.S. think about this daily, and it's bound to be on the minds of people who pick up America, a sweeping 700-plus page cookbook that pledges to refute this misconception that American food means homogenized processed blandness. In theory, it's an admirable mission to highlight the varied food that makes our country's culinary tradition so great. In practice, though, especially considering the political climate in which it's being published, the book falls flat. There's a wide range of recipes, but it doesn't feel as inclusive as a book about American food should in today's world. Y'all, I don't know the difference between a transgender lesbian fried catfish and a heterosexual fried catfish. All I know is if you're going to cover cooking from the South, there's going to be a cornmeal fried catfish recipe in a cookbook. I don't care whether the fish is gay, straight, or transgender. It's going to get eaten after it's been fried. What the hell is this political climate, n not enough inclusiveness in a cookbook, for God's sake? A cookbook. People politicizing everything. You know, sometimes a recipe is just a recipe, to paraphrase Freud. There should be nothing political in, in food. There should be no politics sitting around a table while you're trying to share a meal and build community. And yet the left is now politicizing recipe books. They're not inclusive enough. Good Lord. Oh, y'all, this is this is mind numbing to me that we're worried about tolerance and and inclusion and politics in a cookbook. And by the way, you should know the the, the resistance, you know, the, the, the left wing, angry, angry feminists and lesbians in comfortable shoes marching in the streets of Washington, smashing cop cars and windows of small businesses. They now have a cookbook. It is the resistance cookbook. I'm not kidding. It is it is recipes and progressive activism mixed. I just think this is a terrible trend. And it's when I realize I can't stop, but it's when I, re I, I at least want to raise the red flag on. There are bigger arguments in life than politics. And I realize people are worked up on whether it was white nationalists or racists who were marching in the streets of Charlottesville and how awful they were and whether Antifa is as fascist as the fascists they claim to fight. But, I mean, the real fights are in the kitchen. Should you put sugar in your cornbread? If you're black, you probably say yes. If you're white, you probably say no. Did you know that in the South? Yeah. Big difference uh, between how uh, most people in the black community and white community who make cornbread in their cast iron skillets make it. 
whether how dark a rouge should be. These are the fights we're fighting over around the kitchen table. The rest of it is nonsense. You should be able to surrender and treat the kitchen table as a neutral zone where you and all of your friends and your neighbors who disagree with you on the politics of the day can sit down and have a bite together and agree to disagree and build community and watch each other's houses when you're out of town and make sure the lights are turned off or make sure there's water running if a freeze comes on or make sure the cat or the dog are taken care of. You don't have to agree on politics to be good neighbors. And yet more and more people, particularly on the left, but a growing number on the right, think you have to agree on everything to be good neighbors. No, the essence of community is people of differing opinions coming together to find common ground. It is a terrible trend to see food critics suddenly decide that a cookbook is not political enough and therefore must be shamed or smeared. It is a terrible, terrible thing to think that a cookbook that covers the wide swath of cuisine in this nation could somehow, in these political times, not be inclusive enough. Again, I don't know what a lesbian catfish tastes like. I just assume the catfish is catfish. But apparently, they needed to have a transgender lesbian catfish recipe in this cookbook to make it pass the muster of the liberal critics. This is why Americans are turning on the left. Hank Aaron has jumped to the defense of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, You know, I don't have any sympathy for Kaepernick. He hurt the bottom line of the company he works for. Whether you want to think about the NFL that way or not. The NFL is a business. The team is a company. And he hurt it. He hurt the bottom line. He hurt the revenue. He, He started a series of protests. And that series of protests caused people to turn off NFL. You know, it hurt ESPN. ESPN was already on the way down because of liberal bias. And the the protests and the way ESPN covered them uh, hurt ESPN. And ESPN won't acknowledge it. The NFL, however, has acknowledged it. The NFL is noting that people started turning off the games because of the players protesting the national anthem. I don't have any sympathy for the guy. Listen, you know, this is the crazy thing about the left. Take James Damore, for example. James Damore of Google. James Damore writes a memo. The left disagrees with it, although he's on sound scientific basis for what he said. And he gets fired. And the left says, well, Google has a right to fire him. Are you saying Google doesn't have a right to fire him? He's got to live with the consequences of an action. Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, and they're like, "Oh, somebody's got to hire him. He he, he can't be he, he can't be fired for this. He he's got to be hired. Somebody's got to put him on there. Somebody's got to got to help him out." A double standard. Yes, I I have no problem with Google firing James Demore on the principle of they have the right to fire him. I do have a problem with Google firing him because I don't think James Demore did anything wrong, and Google is just giving in to the social justice warriors and acknowledging that it is part of that. Now, that relates to what I want to talk about when we come back. There's a story in the New Yorker, of all places, about the growing distrust in political circles and among your average ordinary citizen over Silicon Valley's control of information. And a crazy story about the election of Rutherford B. Hayes I had never heard before on how essentially the Associated Press stole the election for Rutherford B. Hayes. 
And of course, then we got the Teapot Dome scandal. There's more out there as well. We've got, well, the fight over the Confederate monuments is headed to the Georgia legislature. And you probably need to be prepared for that fight. You probably need to gear up for that fight. And Governor Deal is saying he's going to leave it to the legislature. He's on his way out. He doesn't have a dog in this fight. It is a legislative fight. Uh, We'll talk about that. The conservative monument fight coming to Georgia. It is 9 o'clock, or 9 o'clock, 9 after the hour on the nose. It's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. I have a doozy for y'all. I guess I should give you the phone number first. 404-872-0750, wsb talk You know, of course, about the Robert Lee story, um, ESPN reassigning their Asian uh, football analyst, Robert Lee, to a game that wasn't the University of Virginia uh, versus William and Mary game, lest they offend anyone because his name is Robert Lee. Well, a a source who would know, someone who would know, sent me a note that Georgia State University did not, when building their, their athletic complex around Turner Field and whatnot, did not... Y'all, let me just preface this by saying I am not making this up and neither is he. Georgia State University would not retain the designation of the yellow lot around Turner Field because they did not want to offend the Asian community. Let me say that again. Georgia State University, according to this source of mine, would not keep the yellow lot designation around Turner Field when building their athletic complex in the parking area because they didn't want to offend the Asian community. And, you know, you think that's improbable, but look what happened when they wanted to run the, the yellow line up to Doraville. They had protests from some Asian activists who, who thought it was insulting to the Asian community. Doug Turnbull's just texting me the same thing. <laughs> yes, yes. I they remember they changed it to the gold line because the they were afraid of offending the Asian community. <laughs> oh, but it gets better. It gets better. Uh, the uh, Washington Free Beacon has a story that Georgia State University they have launched a program for students to serve as multicultural competence and peer education ambassadors map the map ambassadors they will work 12 hours a month to train and educate the georgia state university community in multicultural competence allowing them to explore the world through a more progressive perspective cultural competence and identity affirmation are highly integral for the success of our students. I kid you not. Now, the ambassadors, according to campusreform.com, six students are going to be paid 100 bucks a month for their work. 
and they must facilitate at least two programs per month, including workshops, discussion forums, and inclusive programming. They will work with the Multicultural Center, which has provided practical educational experiences for students both inside and outside the classroom, and resources for faculty and staff as they incorporate and address diversity, difference, multiculturalism, and cultural competence. Oh, dear God. So some of the workshops at the Multicultural Center have included the Game of Oppressions, taking 10 to 20 participants through a three-hour exercise by which visible and invisible inequities and injustices in the American social system are brought to life. The object is to reach enlightenment. However, the path will not be easy. This is happening here. Don't tell me that, and you know, we had the, uh, a, a drag queen story time happen down at uh, Pont City Market. Yes, you know, this was the, the thing they did out in San Francisco where parents could bring their kids in to hear from a drag queen and, and hear stories about transgenderism and how it was all normal and, and nothing wrong with it and whatnot. Well, they did it in Atlanta at, at Pont City Market at some bookstore over there. Don't tell me this stuff can't happen in Georgia. It's happening in Georgia. It is. It is all a bunch of hooey, too. I've already got an email from a listener calling BS on the Yellow Lot story. It is not. It is a, a legit story. Georgia State doing this. Now, Now let's see. Where is this other bit from? Again, I, this is from the Washington Free Beacon. Another program at Georgia State University's Multicultural Center is called Cross the Line where students are taught to identify and eliminate the barriers between people that perpetuate acts of unkindness due to a lack of cultural understanding. Acts of unkindness due to cultural understanding. Now think about what that means. I mean, they gloss it up in, in this fancy language, but essentially this is the, the programming where they tell boys who have been taught good manners by their parents to open the door for young ladies that they better stop doing that because it's offensive to the feminists. This is so ridiculous. This is where you learn that naming something a yellow lot could offend the Asian community. This is ridiculous. This is indoctrination, by the way. This is an education. This has nothing to do with education. This is about indoctrination. This is why millennials are coming out of colleges screwed up in the head because of stuff like this. And it's it this again, this is Georgia State University, the university, by the way, that, that doesn't want students to be able to carry firearms on campus to protect themselves. Apparently, if they would just go to the multicultural center and take the game of oppressions, they would learn if they were the white kids on campus when they're held up, it's actually they're the oppressors, not the person pointing the gun at them. Ay, ay, ay. This is why I want my kids to go to Hillsdale College, by the way. Send them up to Michigan. They'll get some nice snow in the winter, too. But Larry Arn will not indoctrinate them. He'll educate them. I don't know a person who's coming up Hillsdale, Hillsdale College that isn't smart that can't get a job in the real world. And yet I know plenty of people who are coming out of, out of state institutions around Georgia who they're not competent to have a job. 
but by God, they know how not to offend a transgender person. They know all the extra pronouns behind, besides he, she, and it. They know Z and Xi and, and Theta and, and, and what have you. Now, I, I kid you not, Facebook now has multiple genders, 60-some-odd gender preferences. You can go through college and you can learn all of those. You may not be able to tell me what the Iliad is or what the Odyssey is or who Homer is or what 2 plus 2 is, but you know all the pronouns for gender. The United States of America, we are in the state we are in because of stuff like this, like, like, the, like the cookbook I was telling you about last hour. Politicizing a cookbook, it wasn't inclusive enough in this political age. So it would have been fine if Barack Obama were president. But with Donald Trump as president, no, you have to virtue signal in your cookbook. That's what all of this stuff is, virtue signaling. Telling the world that we're not like those icky Republicans. It is embarrassing. It is ridiculous. And your taxpayer dollars are being used at Georgia State. I wonder what Earl Earhart has to say about this. You know, he's been trying in the state legislature in Georgia, trying to pass legislation to cut out state funding for stuff like this. I hope that he hears the story and redoubles his effort to stop all this nonsense on college campuses. I mean, colleges in this state and elsewhere are abusing the taxpayers. They take taxpayer money. They drive up tuition exorbitantly on their students. And then instead of educating their students, they indoctrinate their students. When you read the Iliad, you got to find out what Homer's queer theory was. It just, it is, it is insane. It is absurd. It is ruining the country. And it's being done with taxpayer money here in Georgia at the Multicultural Center at Georgia State University where they teach you the game of oppressions while they won't call the yellow lot the yellow lot lest they offend the Asian community. Good gracious. It is 25 after the hour. Um, oh, somebody, never mind. Um, we will ignore that. (laughs) Sorry. Somebody was sending me something to talk about on, on air and it just, I can't process it. What I can process though, is the black lives matters folks in Kentucky. They are demanding that white people pay for their inherent sin of being white. They have 10 demands. White people. If you don't have any descendants, will your property to a black or brown family, preferably one that lives in generational poverty? That's demand one. White people, if you're inheriting property you intend to sell upon acceptance, give it to a black or brown family. You're bound to make that money in some other white privileged way. Number three, if you're a developer or realty owner of multifamily housing, build a sustainable complex in a black or brown blighted neighborhood and let black and brown people live in it for free. White people, if you can afford to downsize, give up the home you own to a black or brown family. White people, if any of the people you intend to leave your property to are racist blankety blanks, change the will and will your property to a black or brown family. And white people, rebudget your monthly so you can donate to black funds for land purchasing. Yeah, white people, you got that? Oh, wait, there's some more. Um, This should be backing up to number seven. Uh, Number seven is... I don't even see what number. Oh, white people, especially white women, uh, get a racist fired. 
Um, and then number eight, it should be easy, but all these sheetless clan Nazis and other little blankety blank white men uh, will all be returning to work. Get them fired. Call the police. They look suspicious. If any white person at your is at your work or as you enter in spaces and you overhear a white person praising the actions from Charlottesville, get a picture get their name and more info, find out where they work and get them fired, but certainly address them. You got hands, use them, uh, threatening violence and fighting white supremacy where and how you can, uh, and funding black and brown people and their worth. This is, this is what a black lives matter activist wants handouts, not getting ahead, but handouts, you know, permanent victim class here. Permanent victim class. That is part of the problem with why this country can't move on beyond a lot of the stuff. We're always going to have racism, but we don't have to have permanent victimhood. And yet we have a, a progressive society that says that we do. When we come back, the fight for the Confederate monuments in Georgia is heating up. I'll give you the details. It is 38 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. First, I have a confession to make. If I sound slightly off in some way in speaking, I officially have the full braces set in my mouth now. And speaking is, well, it's more difficult. They kind of stick out a little bit. You can't see them. I can't see them at all, but they're there. Uh, they don't hurt, but they're just, they're awkward. And you got to take it, they're the Invisalign thing, so you got to take them out to eat, and they're hard to get out. In fact, I took them out at lunch for the very first time, and one of the little attachment pieces they glued to your teeth popped off with it, and so I had to go back this afternoon uh, and get that put back on. Frustrating, but uh, this will be the reality for the next uh, 10 to 15 months. Now, we have to get into the Confederate Monument fight that is headed to Georgia. Uh, Governor Deal is going to let the legislature deal with it. The legislature in Georgia several years ago passed a law when this was starting to heat up that local governments uh, couldn't control what happened to the Confederate monuments in their area that the state had put in. You know, they also privatized Stone Mountain uh, so that um, they nobody would ever get in a position to be able to scrub Robert E. Lee off the side of Stone Mountain. Uh, the legislature is going to have to deal with this. And listen, I uh, let me let me oh, stake out my position. Uh, probably too too strong a phrase to use, but I couldn't care less what happens to anything named after Jefferson Davis. You want to change the name of Jeff Davis County? Go for it. You want to change the name of Jefferson Davis Highway? Go for it. You want to tear down statues of Jefferson Davis? Go for it. I do have a problem with the Robert E. Lee stuff. I do. Uh, and my chief problem is that he is someone who I think uh, should be held up these days as a role model, someone who made bad decisions lived to regret them, and spent his waning years in life helping rebuild uh, that which uh, he had helped burn down. I think Robert E. Lee is a solid role model for people. I really do. He felt a longing for his country. He did not view the United States as his country. 
So he fought for his country. He argued against his country's policies while fighting for his country, was no fan of slavery. And after the war, after a peaceful surrender, really did not want monuments built to himself or the cause. In fact, wrote as much and then helped heal the country. General Grant and Abraham Lincoln both flat out refused to charge him with treason. In fact, after Lincoln's assassination, uh, Ulysses S. Grant and Sherman himself, who burned down Atlanta, uh, campaigned mightily against any charges against Robert E. Lee, noting that Lee had done a great service to the country in the way he surrendered and was helping rebuild the Union with them. They respected him tremendously. I mean that that's a, a model of behavior for a for a um a, a, a good loser. Stonewall Jackson's faith, I think it is a faith that people could model. He believed himself as safe on the battlefield as he was on the bed. He was ultimately killed on the battlefield. I I think treat people like Jefferson Davis and the politicians differently from the generals and the soldiers. Many of the soldiers forced into battle. Many of them didn't want to fight in the battle. I think you got to do that. And here's the other thing, and this is why I say this more than anything else, because I don't feel strongly about it one way or the other, but what I do feel strongly about is that this is only the beginning. This isn't the end, and we're already seeing it. They're not going to stop at the Confederate monuments. They're going to move on. We're going to have to change Gwinnett County because it's named after Buttons Gwinnett, who was a revolutionary figure who signed the Declaration of Independence, but I'm sure someone in his family, if not himself, owned slaves or was okay with slavery. So we're going to have to change that. We're going to have to change all sorts of other things. We're going to have to tear down stuff. I just The whole thing is a bunch of hooey. And I really don't think it is a fight that we need to have. But again, Jefferson Davis, uh, he was a terrible president of the Confederacy. He was a socialist. He wasn't a nice person. Uh, Tear down all of his statues. And I tend to agree with Roy Barnes that having the state police on Confederate Avenue, probably in this day and age where there are real legitimate concerns in the black community about the police, probably isn't the best visual. Might want to change that. But leave Stone Mountain alone. And I think that the the soldier monuments around the state uh, that were put up in the early 1900s, not in the 50s and 60s during Jim Crow, but as the soldiers of the Civil War were dying off, they built monuments to honor them. Leave them. Leave them alone. I think so. Y'all, I just, I, I can't emphasize it enough. This is this is the beginning. This isn't the end. First, they're, they're, this is their low-hanging fruit. They can argue, who, who can withstand the argument against the Confederacy? And there will be no grounds for compromise. Once you've gotten rid of the monuments to the Confederacy, you will get rid of monuments to Revolutionary War heroes. Once you've gotten rid of those, you will get rid of monuments to the Vietnam War heroes because, you know, it was war crimes, according to the left. It was a war that shouldn't have been fought, so we'll have to get rid of all that. Then, of course, you won't be allowed to honor the people who fought in Iraq because that was a terrible war we shouldn't have fought, according to the left. It will be on and on and on and on. We are talking about a group of people who are offended by a lot, a color-coded lot having a yellow designation. These are not rational people with whom you can deal. They are not people with whom you can compromise. They are not people with whom you can cut a deal.
it is all or nothing with them, and I would rather give them nothing because the other, otherwise the alternative is all. This Confederate monument fight is coming to the state legislature. Interestingly enough, repeated polling in the black community, the Hispanic community, the white community shows there is no great support for tearing down these monuments. So I say bring on the fight by the left. Now, unfortunately, there will be some idiots on the right who sabotage the hand of the right who will make the argument for the left better than the left can by being a bunch of racist jerks. But by and large, I think it's worth noting 50% of black voters, 50% of Hispanic voters, and over 65% of white voters say leave the statues alone, leave the monuments alone, leave the cemeteries alone. I agree with that sentiment because everybody largely knows if you start here, it's only the beginning. And many of those monuments, I think it's worth noting, many of those monuments were were built to honor grandfathers and fathers who were dying who served what they viewed as their country. They weren't fighting to defend slavery in their minds. You can say they were. History says they were. But in their minds, they were fighting in defense of their country, which they viewed as their state. They didn't view that as the United States. The United States was an abstraction to them. By the way, before I go to break, one last point worth noting here. Did you know that Barack Obama was the first president of the United States to be born in lifetime without any overlap between a Civil War veteran. Think about that for a minute. When George W. Bush was born, the last Civil War veterans were dying off and had died off before Barack Obama was born. In the same way, every single person who fought in the Civil War was born at the time that someone had fought in the Revolutionary War. Think about that. History isn't that far away. We're dealing with people's great and great great grandparents here. And I think we got to be respectful of that and not just say, well, they were all evil, tear them all down. It is 55 after the hour. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Mary in Loganville, you're up for next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Hi there. Listen, I'll speak fast because I know time is limited, but I'm so glad you're speaking to this subject. Um, I wish people would remember that these are not monuments to war, but that they are monuments that memorialize soldiers. Many of these men never owned a slave. Um, Many of these men were conscripted into battle um, and did not choose to be there. So many of these monuments have names on them of people who have fallen, Um, And like you said, these are people's uh, granddaddies and great-granddaddies. You know, if we're going to open up that Pandora's box, we're going to have to look at the fact that a whole lot of us really didn't agree with Vietnam, but I don't think we need to go up there and fear down the Vietnam Wall. Listen, Mary, I agree with you. I think that's very well said. Um, It is. And and think of all the other stuff. I mean, we start here, then we're going to have to go through the whole name-changing thing. Chris, I'm sorry I don't have time to get to your call, but you got a good point. Um, I mean, Georgia named after King George, slave owner. Do we change it? What about Oglethorpe? Do we change the name? All this stuff. 